Ginny. Nick. <laughs> Tell me, what did you do age 18 to 30? Well, that's a very long time ago. <clears throat> and as everybody knows, my memory is fairly crap, but I will do my best. Uh, so 18, I was graduating from high school in Sydney and uh, applying to university. And by the time I reached 30, I was had been married for eight years, living in Hong Kong in Crane Court in the very same apartment that we're in today. And during that period, uh, I went to university in Sydney. I had a part-time job at the Sydney Opera House, which was where I met Graham. We got married. We uh, moved to Hong Kong. I uh, had only one employer in Hong Kong, and uh, Graham uh, was actively employed in the hotel industry, which I became quite involved in as well, because it was a very, well, as the name would imply, the hospitality industry was very hospitable. <laughs> Understandable. So let's jump back to the beginning then. So age 18, so high school, so forgive me, my, my, forgive my ignorance, in Australia, what's, it's not, what's the equivalent to A-levels? Well, it's very state by state, but in, in New South Wales, it's the higher school certificate. Right. So, um, yeah, I think we had to take six, six subjects and... Um, I was a reasonably good student. I didn't have to try too hard. Um, so I was very lucky in that regard. So similar to IB then, six, six subjects. Yeah. Do you remember what they were? Just about, yes. <laughs> um, English, maths, and then I did economics and French, German, and gosh, what was the sixth one? General studies. So no sciences? No, sciences were not compulsory, so I dropped out of sciences. You were not a big science person? Um, I don't know why I dropped out of sciences. I actually did quite enjoy it, but um, for some reason I got on a language bent and did um, French and German at, at um, high level. And you, were you applying for uni before high school finished, or was it something that came, was there much of a gap between high school and uni? No, I mean, I, I went straight from high school to uni after a sort of three-month summer holiday. But at that time in, in New South Wales, um, it was a very, very straightforward system. You basically didn't apply to university until you uh, finished your exams. And it was a very simple fill-out a form, right. uh, tick the university that you were interested to attend and which course you want like to study. Uh, there was no essays, there was no standardised testing. And really, at the time, um, for me at least, and all of my friends at school, there was no discussion of travelling outside of our immediate neighbourhood, which was Sydney, to study. So really, there was only, at that time, three decent universities in Sydney. Mm. And I applied to two of the three of them. And, um, yeah basically got offers for the courses that I applied to and then I just had to choose which one I wanted to, and which to one decide you, on. which one did you choose? So I chose to do a Bachelor of Commerce at the University of New South Wales. Right. 
So even even Melbourne was. I mean, obviously being in Sydney, that's the prime place. But even Melbourne, wasn't yeah, consideration. didn't really. I mean, I don't honestly think it crossed my mind, which is <laughs> so interesting now compared to what our kids have all done. Absolutely, but it also that's. I mean, that's also the beauty of uh, of having so less choice. That's, Definitely, yeah. I felt that it was it was much much easier um, compared to the multitude of choice that that our children had and. The tyranny of choice that our children oh, have. I mean, I know some of our friends um, said you can, you know, you, you can go anywhere you want, but it has to be the UK or it has to be the US. Whereas we said to Lucy and Georgie, ah, you know, you can go wherever you want. So they took that quite literally and they applied yeah. all over the world, and, and that was quite a stressful time for everybody, right. just particularly for them. So you started in uh, obviously in the southern hemisphere. You'd have started at uh, University of New South Wales in I guess February. Would it March, beginning March. of March, yeah. Okay. And it's a three-year course? Yeah, it's a three-year course. Um, I had to choose what aspect of commerce I wanted to major in, and I chose, um, it was called Accounting, Finance and Systems. Mm-hmm. And um, that was partly because at the time my dad was a very prominent Sydney businessman, and I really didn't know what I wanted to study at university and um, he didn't push me, but he said, well, you know, if you're not sure, you know, you're good at maths and I know you enjoyed economics at school, you know, why don't you, why don't you major in accounting? Because it's, it's one of those professions that's a, it's a very useful one to have under your belt no matter what you end up in. And it's very transportable. It's something you can pick up and put down during your working life. Uh, so I, took him, I followed his recommendation and uh, that's what I majored in. Wow, and were you living at home all through? Yeah, I lived at home all through uh, the three-year course. Driving into Driving into uni every day in my mother's, well, at this point, I'd been given my mother's car as a hand-me-down. It was a bright orange Saab, which Graham, subsequently, when I met him, used to give me all sorts of grief over because it was a fairly ugly car. (laughs) But I thought it was was fabulous. Well, it's your first car, so it's great. And where was your sister at this point? My sister, also, huh? my sister was uh, three and a half years younger than me, so when I was starting university, she was still at high school, and when I was graduating from university, she was finishing high school. So right. she was also living at home, so we were together. Right. So two girls, mum and dad at, at home mm-hmm. during this time. And during this time, you met Graham during these three years. Yeah, that's right. So when I was uh, a teenager, all my... Uh, Girlfriends at school would um, have part-time jobs babysitting to earn a bit of pocket money. That was very much what everybody did. But my parents were very uh, anti-babysitting because they felt that it was such an enormous responsibility for a teenage child to assume. And I think they were probably right. And I, said, and I was quite indignant. I said, well, you know, I, I want to earn some pocket money like all my friends are. So at the time, my dad was involved um, as a trustee at the Sydney Opera House. And he said, well, maybe I can get, help you get a job, a part-time job at the Opera House, which, of course, he did. And uh, my job was to be an usherette. Um, so I would show people to their seats. I would sometimes work on the door, tear tickets. I would sometimes sell programs. Um, and I did that. It was very, very flexible. And all through my sort of university um, career, I probably worked on average two nights a week. And it was very flexible. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. What, literally, almost literally from the first year, do you think? You Actually, I started it when I was still at school. I think I started when I was 16. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I was still at high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. okay, that's quite good. So, uh, what, do you remember at what point you met Graham? Was he, work, he was working in a similar thing? So, he was, he was also working at the, uh, at the Opera House doing the exact same job for the most part as me. Yeah. <clears throat> and after a, after a few years, it was when I was 20... Um, we used to work every Thursday night together in the drama theatre. And as you all know, Graham being Graham was very chatty, so we would often um, have an opportunity whilst the the audience were inside watching the play. We were outside um, just twiddling our thumbs, basically waiting for the interval. And... um, discovered that we were both at uh, University of New South Wales, although he was on one end of the campus, I was at the other end, and we'd never actually met each other. But that's where we met, and um, I thought he was i thought he was nice, and he was um, very likeable. But anyway, <laughs> he asked me what, um, what I was going to do when I finished university, like what was I going to do to celebrate? And I said, oh, actually, I'm going to hospital. And he went, oh oh, that's terrible. And instead of being, you know, a considerate young man and sort of just leaving that the details to me to bring up, he said, oh, what are you going to get done in hospital? Why are you going to hospital? And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to torture you a bit here, maybe. Typical Graham here. And I said, oh, I'm going to hospital to get my septum straightened. And he had no idea what that was. So then at that point, he did actually decide just to shut up because he thought it might be some female. Some parts of the female anatomy he hadn't yet discovered. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so off, so we left it at that. And just and to be clear uh, for the listeners, it's part of your nose. Y- yes. 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 <laughs> I was basically having a nose job. But actually, the cosmetic part was secondary. The, the real reason was I had a lot of problems with my breathing and the... Uh, the specialist thought that it would help my to clear my nasal passages to make my breathing easier. <laughs> so it's interesting that Graham asked what you were going to do to celebrate at the, at the end of uni, but it's, you were only 20 or so at this time. What about your 21st? Was that not something that would be come earlier as a celebration? Uh, yes, although I didn't really know... I didn't think. Um, I knew Graham then... I did, but we were really just acquaintances at the Opera House. So um, my parents hosted a sit-down dinner for about 80 people at home for my 21st, half their friends, half my friends, which was fine. Um, But I'm afraid Graham didn't get onto the guest list. I mean, it never even occurred to me because at that point we'd never been out together or anything like that. But it turned out he was a bit miffed because he found out that one of the managers at the Opera House, who I was friendly with, but that was all, we were just friends, mm. um, he did get an invitation and apparently Graham was quite jealous, annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> so what year, so what age were you when you graduated then? 20, uh, 20, 20, 21. 21. 21, yeah. And this, you're graduating again, sorry. I graduated November, in December. December. Yeah, so I had just sort of turned 21. Right, and by which time you and Graham were officially boyfriend and girlfriend, were you? Uh, after, well, yes, because that's right, because he came to my, well, the graduation was the following March, that's the way they do it there, yeah. they sort of have three months, you do the summer and then you come back and you graduate. 
So by that time, we were officially dating, and he came to my graduation. And much to my mother's annoyance, he featured in most of my graduation photos. <laughs> so that must have been a big summer then, post post graduation and before the actual graduation. Is that yeah? I guess special? it was. I mean, I I'd, I already um, had lined up my first job, which was with Price Waterhouse, the accounting firm in Sydney. In Sydney, and I think I was probably starting again. It make it's like in Australia, January, December, yeah. January is summer. People don't yeah. do much, so I, I think I don't remember exactly when I started, but probably February, maybe even early March. I started at Price Waterhouse, so I don't think we we did some road trips. Graham had a very a very sexy Alpha Spider uh, convertible that he absolutely loved, and we used to go up and down the coast doing road trips um, in his car. But, yes, we came to Hong Kong, but that was... Really? Before yes. you started work at Price Waterhouse? No, sorry. I'm a year out. No, it was after I started work at Price Waterhouse, that's right. right. We, we decided to um, to do a, a holiday, an inter- our first international holiday together. It was to Hong Kong? Yeah, well, it was Hong Kong was part of a, a trip we did of sort of Southeast Asia, and we tacked Hong Kong on to the end of it because Graham had a very good friend uh, who had moved to Hong Kong with his wife, and they had invited us to come and stay with them at their apartment in Shu Pai Terrace. So we <laughs> came to Hong Kong in around, I want to say it was around October um, 1981. Right. And uh, we stayed... I think we had about five days here, something like that. Good first impressions. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. I'd, I'd never been to any. I'd never been to anywhere in, in Asia before. Right. Um, you, you, on this trip, have you done a bit, of, bit other bits of? Yeah, Asia we've before? been. I, I can't actually remember the exact sequence, but we also went to um, we went to KL, Penang, Singapore, I believe, and I think Hong Kong might have been the last. This was just the two of you having just the two of us. a holiday from work. Mm-hmm. So just talk, just jump back to work for a second. So you you said you got a job at Price Waterhouse. So how how di- difficult or not, not to say how difficult, but how did that work in those in in those days? Getting a job. Yeah, was this you'd apply through the an ad in the newspaper, or do you remember it was a a, a mill crown as we call it in the UK where they come to uni and um, set out their store? Do you remember how you got that Price Waterhouse? Or did, or did Dad put in a good word? No, no, I believe I did that one all on my own, actually. Um, no, I think I think if you graduated uh, from university with a, a major in, in accounting or finance, um, one of the logical first career steps was to apply to, in those days, it was the big eight accounting right. firms. So <clears throat> I applied to... Um, Three or four of them, I guess. I can't remember all of them now. I think I applied to Coopers and Librand, Pete Marwick, Pricewaterhouse, yeah. and I forget, maybe one or two others, Ernst and & Young. And, um, so the kind of thing I would have done, you, you write letters. Yeah, you your write letters, exactly. And written with your CV, or maybe typed, perhaps, on a typewriter, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then you, you post them off, and mm-hmm. maybe you get a letter back. Or maybe you even pick up a phone and manage to speak to someone, a real person. Um, but anyway, you managed to get, you, you got something there. They I got... <coughs> someone I, I wrote think, back to you and said... Yeah, I was offered a position. 
So yeah, I got an entry level position at Pricewaterhouse um, in the audit department, which is the least sexy. And in fact, it used to actually embarrass me. When people would ask me what I did, I would sort of mumble under my breath because I just thought it was the most boring, dull sounding job. Um, and some bits of it were. I remember being resentful as being the most junior person in the office of being asked by the the partners to sort of, oh, just pop downstairs, would you, and put some money in my parking meter, or oh, could you just go off and make 20 photocopies of this yeah. document? And I thought, oh, you know, don't they have other people to do this menial work? But then I began to, came to realise that it's really part and parcel. Right. But getting a salary, an okay yeah, I mean, salary. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, it was an okay salary, and I was continued to live at home, so <clears throat> I was um, saving... No. Yeah, no massive expenses no. from your side. And going out with uh, someone in the creative field, an architect. So he, he finished, obviously. He finished yeah, so he, he finished and he was um, he was actually working for the, for the New South Wales government. So he wasn't making huge bucks, but he was, he was, he was also living at home. So, right, right. yeah, we had plenty of money to, to play with. Right. So is there anything, looking back at that period before we jump on to the next stage, is there anything that you would consider uh, to change? I mean, or, or a different direction you could have taken um, in any way? No, I think, I think so far, I mean, we're only in sort of year one out of university. No, I think, I think joining, joining Pricewaterhouse was a sound... A sound move, and and I certainly uh, went on to achieve to, to, to get some good solid experience. So no, right. I, I think actually that was that was a good good decision. Quite happy with all that. And so did the 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 trip after one year, the holiday after one year of work, was that into Asia? Was that did that give you and Graham then a bit of a taste for Hong Kong? Yeah, well, the holiday came probably about I was about. Eight or nine months into my job at Pricewaterhouse Sydney, mm. and um, cut a very long story short. Um, I'll leave Graham to tell the story, perhaps. But uh, he was offered a really, really interesting position in Hong Kong with Hong Kong Land um, to work in their hotel group, which of course was Mandarin Hotels. It was really good money, and it just sounded like a fabulous adventure. Mm. So. Um, we left Hong Kong together to come back to Sydney, and they said, "Well, look, we'll let you know. We'll give you a few days to think about it. But you know, if you want to take the job, we need you to be back in Hong Kong, ready to start in six weeks' time." <laughs> so, yeah, there was a bit of soul searching at that point. Had he had he been? I mean, sort of maybe Graham will tell us more about this. But just had he been looking for something? Were I were either of you looking for something? No, not really. But when we when when he told um, some of his friends that we were doing this trip to Hong Kong, the word leaked to the father of one of his good friends, and this gentleman was a senior partner of of one of the leading firms of architects in Australia, and he was also a very prominent businessman. And he said to Greg, oh, you're going to Hong Kong. Oh, he said, well, you know, there's a few people that you absolutely must meet. Right. And I will write letters of introduction for you. So Graham's like, okay, meeting people, you know, you always love to meet people. Right. Um, so he, whilst we were in Hong Kong, he went off and had meetings with uh, three or four people from different, sort of the Hongs, as we called them in those days. And um, ended up, yeah, with this 
with this really interesting opportunity. Wow. So you both came back. You're still boyfriend girlfriend. Yep. You come back from a holiday yep. um, and go back to your respective homes, mum and dad's homes, and both knowing that you've had this kind of slightly life change, possibly life changing offer made to one of you. And how do you decide to move forward from there? So um, I just said to, said to Graham, he seemed to be hesitating a little bit, and I and I just said, "Why are you hesitating? It's such a great opportunity. Um, it sounds like so much fun." And uh, he said, "Oh, yeah, but you know, what about you? And would would you come?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I would come, but you know, we'd have to get married." His jaw kind of dropped and just about hit the floor, I think. <laughs> Because back then I was a I was a real goody goody, and um, in those days, 1981 or 1982 by then I guess, um, living together was still kind of quite taboo. Mm. And my parents, being very very conservative, I thought, oh, it'd break their it'd break their hearts if I went off to Hong Kong and lived in sin with this young man. So yeah. I said, we we'll have to get married, and he was like, okay. <laughs> so then he made an appointment to go and see my father in his office and um, to ask for my hand. Wow. Yeah, he got he got the green light. Um, my mother, on the other hand, was not so happy. Um, about Graham or about you leaving? Well, <laughs> no, I, I, I want to think it was about leaving. So, so Graham went to see my see my dad in his stockbroking office sort of late afternoon and and uh, my dad said oh well you know let's um why don't you hop in my car and we'll drive back home and Ginny will be home from work and we can you know tell Joyce and we can have a nice little sort of celebratory drink and Graham's like okay you know yeah. that sounds good yeah. that sounds good um but and then in the meantime my dad had called ahead and sort of given my mum uh the news. The news, and apparently she wasn't all that thrilled. And Graham and my dad got home before I got home from work. And apparently my mother came to the front door and saw Graham and said, I wish I could say I'm happy, but I'm not. <laughs> and then turned on her heel and marched down the corridor and into her bedroom and closed the door. That was oh the story word. that I, <laughs> I always heard. So, yeah, that was... That was a bit of a blow to Graham, but um, anyway, my mum she came around. She came around in the end. She was more upset about the fact that she and I were very, very close, and I think she was upset about the fact that we were moving to Hong Kong. But at the time, for three years, mm. um, little did she ever imagine that it would become thirty something years. Yeah. But she was upset. So this was because it was mentioned of a three-year contract, was it? Right, okay. it was a three-year contract. And how old were you both at this time? So I was, uh, I was 20, um, 22, and Graham was 25, almost oh, 26. Yeah, so, 20, so yeah, so you're literally just coming to, you've literally just done a year at Price Waterhouse, and all of a, and you've yeah. had a holiday, and all of a sudden you're, you're yeah. getting married and. Moving around the world. So then I had to break it to my mother that we had to get married like in about four weeks. And that just put her into another tailspin because she said, Well, what will everybody think? Yes. They'll, they'll think that you must be. A shotgun. Yes. A shotgun. <laughs> so anyway, um, we did somehow manage to pull off a pretty decent wedding in that short space of time. We had our wedding 
reception at the Sydney Opera House because we thought that was fitting since that was where we met. And um, apparently we were the first ones ever to have a wedding reception at the Sydney Opera House, so that was all very fabulous. And then we even squeezed in a very quick honeymoon to Hawaii, and then we um, uh, we moved to Hong Kong with a couple of suitcases, basically. And all so majority of your friends presumably were from uni and school. I mean, a mixture of because yeah. you both you both been Sydney yeah. born and bred, mm-hmm. and studied there at high school and university. So everyone at the wedding would have been other than family would have been all these uh, friends from, from the city. Now. How were you seen, the two of you? Were you seen to be the exotic uh, adventurers heading off into the... Uh... I didn't think about it at the time, but yes, I guess we were. We were certainly, um, because we were young, we were. We did have a few other friends who were married, or mostly Graham's friends, because they were that, bit, that little bit older than me, but mm. I think I was the first amongst my group of friends to get married. Right. And yeah, I guess they, they were sort of thought it was all quite exciting. Wow. So 22, you arrive in Hong Kong and mm-hmm. you've told Pricewaterhouse you're leaving. Yeah, and I said, look, you know, I know that I'm, I'm still relatively junior, but do you think there's any chance that you might be able to put in a good word for me and see whether mm-hmm. I can find something um, in the Hong Kong office of Pricewaterhouse? And um, they said, sure. Um, they were happy to, to make contact for me. So they set up, um, basically set up, a job for me. I don't think I even had to interview. I think it was just a pretty smooth transition across. Um, but what was interesting was that um, at that time, um, the accounting firms didn't employ expatriates, i.e., you know, non-local people, to join until they were at a more senior level. Right. But because I was this Caucasian woman. Um, they didn't feel that they could put me at the level in the organization where I really should have been based on my one year of experience. So they promoted me and put me in a position where I, which I would not have attained unless I had at least three years experience under my belt. So that was a bit scary because I was suddenly supervising all these junior staff members and I really wasn't sure what I was doing. And I think most of the time they actually knew more than I did, but um, I wasn't allowed, I couldn't let them know that, so I just, um, you know, had to keep my fingers crossed and um, pretend that I knew what I was doing, and so fortunately it's, I, it was okay. To be blunt, uh, so that's interesting, so actually, I'm not, I'm not making any comment on it other than observation, so race overtook sex in this regard, basically, because you were Caucasian, you got into a, put into a higher position. Mm-hmm. And it, the fact that you were female didn't stop that at all. No. Nope. Uh, which is, so part of it's good, part of it's not less good. But yeah. anyway, it happened. It happened. And where was Pricewaterhouse in those days? Down in, uh, uh, Prince's Building. Prince's Building, okay. okay. And um, so you arrived married, and you were, where did you, how, how did you find accommodation? Or did um, Hong Kong Land give you something? Hong Kong Land had what they called a quartering master who was an ex-retired British Army officer who was in charge of finding quarters for their executive level staff. And when we arrived, he said, oh, he said, I found you this fabulous apartment. It's brand new. Um, and I think it was in Shufai Terrace, if I'm not, if wow. I'm not mistaken. 
And um, Graham and I went and looked at it, and Graham just took one look at it and said, no, nah, not living here, <laughs> so, as only Graham would do. So um, that flummoxed the quartering master a bit. So we ended up spending three months living in the Excelsior Hotel uh, until we were able to find something that we were happy with, which ended up being a very respectable three-bedroom apartment on Kennedy Road. Ken, uh, Kennedy Road above the Hong Kong Park. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was about half, halfway along Kennedy Road. And it was a super apartment, and we actually ended up buying it. Um, just So Graham finished his three-year contract uh, with Hong Kong Land and decided to jump ship and move to Hyatt. Uh, and around that time, we decided to, uh, we were in a position to, to buy the apartment. We had enough money, just scraped enough money together for the down payment and got a mortgage. And it was fabulous because we rented it out fully furnished and um hang on you bought it and then moved out so we bought it and then we moved out yeah that's something the banks do yeah (laughs) we bought it we moved out um because we found this woman who wanted to to uh, rent it as a sort of home office she worked for one of the news agencies as i recall and um, she was willing to pay us a massive rent for it and so the rental income that we um that we were getting from her paid not only the mortgage on that apartment, but it also paid the mortgage on our Sydney apartment. So we yeah. thought we were very clever. Well, it's how you missed a bit there. So somewhere along the lines, you, the two of you bought a Sydney apartment as well. Oh yeah, we bought a Sydney apartment. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Um, we bought that soon after we moved to Hong Kong. We actually bought it sight unseen. Um, yeah. I had inherited a little bit of money um, from my grandmother um, and we decided that we should buy something in Sydney so my mother was a bit of a uh, she, she rather enjoyed dabbling in real estate as a bit of a hobby and she found us this uh, apartment that was right on the waterfront in Kirribilli mm. um, not a particularly glamorous apartment but fantastic position mm. so yeah so we bought that and also rented that one out as well we oh, never right. we never actually lived in it we rent we bought it we rented it out and we sold it so when you bought Sydney at that time, so you'd have been whatever you were. This is a few years, yeah, like year twenty two or, or something, twenty three, something like that. So were you thinking, thinking in terms of it being an investment, or were you thinking purely as investment? I think investment. It wasn't think, something you and Graham thought. Oh, we'll buy this because when we after three years contract, we'll move back to. Well, Sydney. no, I, I think we probably did expect that we would move back to Sydney after three years, but no, I don't think we bought that particular apartment as. Right. To live in ourselves, given that we'd never even seen it, right, right. but I think we just thought it was it was sensible to have a, a foot in the real estate in the real estate market, market in, yeah. in Sydney because we always thought we would end up back there. Right. So, so you found yourself with good fortune of, of having got that, and then through hard work here, the two of you, Graham, essentially with Hong Kong land for these first few years, and you with Price Waterhouse, putting enough money together to buy a place on Kennedy Road, but very quickly get an offer on that to rent it out. So you then went to? So then we went to Crane Court. And... Um, 1985? 1985. Okay. And uh, we had, uh, we, we thought we were very, you know, we thought we were very clever and it was such a, it was a great apartment with that big terrace that we, that you all know so well. Mm. 
and we used to invite our friends over for long lunches and one of our friends was a, a Chinese girl who was in real estate and she said, oh, she said, you have to get back in the market, you know, you must get back in the market and we're like, yeah, 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 we will but um, we left it a bit too long and anyway, we, we were so happy um, in our apartment there in Crane Court and unfortunately, um, that building has always been owned by one landlord and that Although we've had two different landlords, um, neither landlord was willing to divide up and let you know sort of yeah. basically strata them. So we could never buy our own apartment. We did try to we did make a bid for the whole building at one point, but that was not successful. Wow, I never knew that. Wow. Mm. Presumably that was not whilst you were twenty two or twenty three. Uh, well, Early no. Days. But we we what 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 we we it was a joint consortium that we put together with some of the other residents at the time right. who we were friendly with. How we were going to fund it if we'd been successful, but we made an offer and unfortunately we missed out. And the current landlord was bought the building. And um, gosh, we, we when we want to torture ourselves, we think back to how much we think we know how much he paid for it, and we know how much it's, it's worth now. And we just it just doesn't doesn't bear thinking exactly. about. It. It's just too painful. We're not going to touch upon no. that. We're no. not going to touch upon that. No. So, but um, so quite quite. You know, both very successful at this point, and you're you're still relatively young. I mean, you you must be it's Crane Court. You'd be must be up to like twenty five at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was about twenty twenty five, twenty six, which yeah. freaks Georgie out to think that basically I was her age when I moved into that apartment. Still there. <laughs> um, and the friends that you had at this point, friends in Hong Kong, were a mix again of I presume work colleagues. Yeah, mostly, mostly, mostly work colleagues, mostly Graham's side, because I thought that my accounting friends were far too boring, mm. which, to be honest, they probably weren't. But <laughs> <laughs> um, we tended to hang out more with, with Graham's work colleagues and people that we'd met along the way at various different different events. Um, we belonged to the Australian Association. We, we, I don't know, you know, with Graham, it's very easy to meet people. So... Um, a lot of our friends were older than us, again, because we were quite young. Um, so a lot of the friends that we made were 10, 20 years older than us. Um, we got a boat very early on. We bought a quarter share in a boat, and we made friends through that, uh -huh. um, going out with the other partners and meeting their friends and so forth. So enjoying the Hong Kong life, yeah. basically out on the junk at the, or the mm -hmm. boat at the weekend. Mm -hmm. And mundane stuff like travelling to work, you both drove into work? Carriage, when we were no, when we lived in Kennedy Road, we we would actually take a taxi or a right. bus. But then when we moved to Pop Fulham, um, we tried that. But getting public transport into Central at rush hour, even today, is, is a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So we had a car and we would drive in together, right? And park in staff area. I think it was our normal car park, right? And then I would go to I would go off to Princess Building, and Graham at that point was working for Hyatt. Which was over in um, Nathan Road, so he would then hop on the MTR and take the MTR. All right. Okay. And what about uh, heading back home to see mum and dad? And is that what ended up being once a year? Or do you, or? Yeah, we would go back, I think not more than once a year, mm. usually at Christmas time. Um, because back then, I mean, even though we had, we had plenty of holiday because we were both on sort of expat packages and got six weeks annual leave, which was pretty standard for. In those days, if you were on expat terms, 
Um, but even then, flights were relatively expensive. Um, so, yeah, we probably went back to Australia once a year. My parents would come up to Hong Kong once a year. Mm. Graham's parents would come up not as, not as frequently, maybe every three years or something like that. Mm. And we really tried hard to keep in touch with our Sydney friends, but whenever we went home, we would sort of throw a, like a big drinks party and try to get to see as many people as we could because we knew that it was it was important not to lose touch with mm. with our with our pals. And how successful was that? Did you find yourself slowly drifting away as your lives were so much more different to the ones? Yeah, I mean, we found that you know when we would catch up with with our with our old friends, we were sort of enthusiastic and eager to tell them about what we'd been getting up to and all the discoveries that we'd made, but we, we sort of realised that they weren't actually that interested. They just wanted to tell us what they'd been doing, mm. which was pretty much same old, same old. So we did we did drift apart from some of them. Mm. Um, but then, interestingly, l- later on, um, we started to... Those old old ties then sort of strengthened again. And you said later on, you mean much later? Uh, you know, when people were... were maybe 10, 20 years later, people right. that we'd sort of lost track of and we thought were not that interested in what we were doing, then we reconnected and suddenly it was... So all okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, what about your relationship with mum and dad at this point? Oh, my mum was still in despair that, you know, two, three years had become five years, had become 10 years, and are you ever coming back? And, you know, she, was, she loved to be a bit dramatic like that. But it was good. No, we had a good relationship. Did Mandy stayed in Sydney. Um, Mandy stayed in Sydney for the most part. She mm. also moved up to Hong Kong briefly, but that's actually that's later on, so we won't right. go there. No, right. So she was in she was in Sydney that whole time. Right. And I, I mean, in those days, of course, you know, there was no internet, etc. So you would what you call mum and dad's. Well, in the really early or... days, we would actually just write letters. Yeah. And I think I actually kept the letters I got from my mum and I believe she kept the letters that I sent her and I've got them in a cupboard somewhere which I'm sure will make interesting reading one of these days um, and we would also call but not as frequently because calls were expensive yeah 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 absolutely um, so I've lost track of time a bit here so we are we're now in in um, Crane Court yep uh, you you're busy working your way up, presumably getting some promotions along the way at Price Waterhouse. Quite a few years where you were enjoying Hong Kong life, basically, uh, with junks and parties and and travel. Uh, was Graham, having, was he tra- travelling for work with Hyatt? Did, was, did that become at all an, an issue, a good thing or a bad thing that he was away from home? Or? Um, he did travel a lot because that his job was, he had a regional role and he was responsible for new properties and renovations in Asia Pacific. So he was traveling a lot and um, he, which he absolutely loved. And I would get to tag on occasionally on a work trip um, if I could get the time off. Right. Um, I actually didn't mind having time on my own. Um, the only thing I recall being really irritating was that often his trips were at very short notice. So it was really hard for us to plan social events and even holidays to a right. certain extent because it suddenly have to go somewhere yeah yeah do you have good girlfriends during that time here to uh, to enjoy their company whilst he was away um i had a 
few girlfriends, but actually I didn't have close the close friendships that I'd say I have now. Oh, really? No, I was probably a bit more of a loner, in fact. Right, right. Well, you, you were members of the Aussie Society of Clubs, or anything like that. you join any clubs during that time? Graham got a membership to the Yacht Club when he was with Hong Kong Land, um, but then when he left Hong Kong Land, we had to give that up. Uh, We didn't join any other clubs until later on. And how did you, I mean, do you remember, as we sort of come to the end of your 20s, do you remember where you were um, mentally? Uh, That sounds a long word, I'm not using the right words here, but do you remember where you were in terms of your feelings about uh, career uh, and your future ahead, were you think were you focused very much on your career? Were both of you career people? Do you think at that time did you see yourself moving up to become a partner at Price Waterhouse? Was that the goal? That was uh, that was never my goal. Much to Graham's disappointment, because in those days the partners at Price Waterhouse were very very well remunerated. Mm. Um, but no, I was I was never interested in that. Um, again, I, I I really was a little indecisive about where I wanted my career to go. I mean, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed working in the sort of fine, in the greater financial sphere, and I ended up doing ten years, almost ten years with Price Waterhouse. Right. I think, and I moved out of the auditing part of the business into what they call business development, which was really marketing, uh, marketing Pricewaterhouse's services uh, to its existing clients and also to potential new clients. And that was, that was, an, that was a very different area of work for me. I had, I had near, no experience, academic experience anyway. Um, so it was learning on the job. Uh, it, was, it was interesting. It was challenging, and for the most part, I enjoyed it. Was that would you say looking business about within Hong Kong, or did it involve some, some uh, regional stuff? It was mostly within Hong Kong, yeah. but it did involve some coordination with other Price Waterhouse offices in the region and right. internationally. Um, but every in, in that at that time, every Price Waterhouse office was a sort of separate partnership, so they were right. all like individual individually owned by the local partners. Right. Just with a, an affiliation. Oh yeah, I was just going to ask you. So what? What made you leave? Because it wasn't Lucy. No, well, I, I just really, I just really had it up to up to here with the uh, every couple of years that I would the partner who was responsible for for my area, my department of business development, they would sort of rotate it, and the partner that I had at that time, he was just an absolute tosser, and I just could not stand him, and. <laughs> he really was making my life miserable and by this point Graham had already won the tender for the Peak Cafe and the Peak Cafe was up and running and making really good money so I didn't need to stay there for the money and I just thought you know what life's too short so I didn't I mean I kind of discussed it with Graham but then one day I just did it and I remember we were driving home and I told him and he nearly ran off the road. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, I just decided, no, enough, 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 enough. Right. So just, I know, I think it takes you over 30, but so just, you did 10 years at Pricewaterhouse? 
I nearly jumped ship at one point. I was offered a job as an analyst in a stockbroking firm, and I often wonder uh, where my career might have gone if I'd taken that oh, that yeah. job. Um, but I didn't. And I think I think if I if I had my time again, I think I would have benefited immensely if I had worked with someone like an executive coach because I think I was I I think with a little more guidance I think that it, it might have helped me to to be a little more decisive and a bit more adventurous I think I was quite I was quite hesitant and nervous about change um, Graham was always off doing his hotel work which as I mentioned involved a lot of travel so he often wasn't around and it wasn't really something I talked to my parents about so I was I guess I was a bit on my own and um, yeah I think so if, if so I mean I don't think anyone has any regrets I mean, none of us have regrets here because life has been generally very kind to us mm. but, but you do there is a, a question of what if what yeah what might have been yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Ginny. You're most welcome, Nick.